Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Um, hey, hey, can we just talk about this for a second? The generosity stuff that you're aspiring to is unique and not every church in our region um, is doing that. And I don't, I don't want you or us to break our arms to pat ourselves on the back, but let's actually pray really hard for grace to continue to give with all the COVID stuff, with the economy the way it is, with inflation the way it is. We actually need the extra grace to be extra generous. And that's what you're aspiring to. That's how uh, John and the other men and women who lead this church are trying to lead you in. And it's great. I just want to say it's really encouraging to see. It's really awesome. So, hey, I'm going to read God's word for us. And as is the custom here, stand if you're able. And I'll read the prologue to the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And this is God's word. We're going to sing the doxology. So would someone start that? have a seat. Hey friends, a couple things about what's happening in this introduction to the book of John. So this is the gospel of John, John the disciple's account of Jesus' life. And he writes this poetic intro. And here's what you need to know about this, this gospel. We're going to see even flashes of this in the intro. 
This is a very intimate, close-up picture of Jesus. Uh, I don't know how many of us have watched VH1's Behind the Music. But VH1 Behind the Music, it's documentaries about musicians, and you learn, hey, this is the first coffee house they played at when they were in high school. or This is who gave them their first guitar. It's a behind-the-scenes picture of whoever the musician is. This is a behind-the-scenes picture of Jesus. Only in John do we learn that while on the cross, Jesus Christ looked at his mother, Mary, and then looked at John and said, behold your son. And then he looks at John, with Mary standing there and says, behold your mother. And John took Mary into his house from that day and treated Mary, the mother of Jesus, as if she was his own mother. Uh, we see these fascinating glimpses of conversation, recorded conversations between things like Jesus and a woman at a well. Jesus and a teacher who should know a lot, but kind of doesn't and is embarrassed to come actually be seen talking to Jesus. So he comes to Jesus at night. And yet we see Jesus uh, be kind and instruct him. It's a close-up, intimate picture of Jesus. And here's the thing. It's an inviting picture. It's an inviting picture. There's an invitation. Jesus makes these huge claims Claiming, you know, things like he is going to deal decisively with death somehow. Jesus claims that people who believe in him somehow, even though they die, they ultimately will never die. And the whole gospel, what I just read, has an invitation for all who believe in him. For all of us who believe um, the Matrix is coming back. I'm kind of excited about that. The Matrix. The Matrix is a sci-fi movie where the main character has a decision to live in unreality or make a decision and enter into a new story, which is the real story and which is actually deep, true reality. And the gospel is a story like that. This, what I just read, starts with the words. In the beginning, the Bible begins with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what John's doing here, he's not so subtly suggesting that now in Jesus, there is a new beginning. There's new beginnings for people. You can start again. You can be reborn spiritually. And it doesn't mean all your problems go away. They certainly don't. But your status with God has changed. You can have a new beginning in Jesus. A lot of us are going to think about, should we have a New Year's resolution? Well, uh, for those of you, those of us this morning who wonder, is, is this real? Is this really something you could truly build your life around and would be deeply life-giving in the most meaningful ways. Come see. <laughs> Come see. You can have a new beginning in Jesus. Uh, for those of us, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you know deep down there should be more, you can have new growth 
in and through Jesus. So let's dive into this really quickly. We're going to look at the miracle of Jesus, the witness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. The miracle, the witness, the glory. First, the miracle. Just look at the first couple sentences here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So John, he's obviously trying to be really clear by rep repetition. This word is not just a uniquely gifted human being. And that's often what people will say about Jesus. I would fully acknowledge he's a teacher. Some of his things are, are really kind, and he was probably really enlightened. This is actually a different thing. He was not just like God or uniquely sent by God or somehow gifted by God. But this word is God. And so it's absolutely clear, all things were made through him, and if that's not clear enough, and without him was not anything made that was made. And this creator God enters this world. That's the miracle. I didn't know what else to, I wanted to try to find some other clever way to talk about the hugeness of what's happening, but it's a miracle. And there's some interesting things going on with uh, John deciding to use the phrase, the word. In Greek, it's logos. That's how we get logical or like biology, psychology. It's the root of a lot of words around different languages, a lot of words in English. And there's an interesting Greek background and an interesting Hebrew background uh, on the concept of the word. So the Greek background, the Greeks thought there's a separation between the ideal and the real. And John's aware of Greeks in this gospel. He, he intentionally puts in John chapter 12, hey, some Greeks ask if they could see Jesus. They come up to Philip, we would like to see Jesus. John writes that in. He's aware of them. And for the Greek philosophers, look, there's, there's a separation between the ideal and the real that cannot be bridged. Ancient people thought of the divine as high and holy, and you don't traipse in the, how, how could we know the divine? So ancient people said knowing the divine is like next to impossible. Modern people think it should be really easy. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's a separation between the ideal and the real that can't be bridged for Greeks. And then the, the Hebrew background to this, the word of God in different parts of scripture is active, personified even. God speaks, and it happens. And his word doesn't come back to him empty. Proverbs 8, even. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. And here, friends, here's the miracle claim. John builds up this whole intro to verse 14. The word became flesh. The word became a person. The ideal became real. 
That ideal actually entered into this reality and dwelt among us. Uh, that's a fun word to actually geek out on. It means tabernacled among us. He uses a temple word. The tabernacle was this mobile temple where God's presence and his glory dwelled and lived. And here, here's the kindness in it, okay? Because that sounds weird to modern ears. Why can't we be in God's presence? God wants to draw near. In um, the book of the Bible, which has all these instructions about the construction of the tabernacle, which is the mobile temple, God says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. Make it like this. It's going to teach about me, and his presence comes with glory so that God may be with his people. And the miracle here, which I don't want us to miss, is that John is saying the creator God didn't cease being God, but added being a human, added a human nature, became a person. That's the miracle. And God wants this to be known. Thus, the witness, the witness of Jesus. Okay, when the word's used three times, anyone studying the passage should pay attention to it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And we're invited here to think about John the Baptist. That's the John being referenced here. And think about light. Think about John. Think about light. Okay, let's think about John for a second. In, in the ancient world, a king would have a crier. You can think of like a crowded ancient road where there's, there might be beggars laying along the side of the road and people selling things along the side of the road in a marketplace. Uh, think about getting through a walking mall that's crowded and there's a dirt road and people setting up, you know, stalls right in the middle of it. And a king would send a crier who would make the way, make way for the king. Get ready for him to come. And this is how John identifies himself in all the Gospels. He is, in the words of the ancient uh, prophecy of Isaiah, he is this voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And that's, you've been thinking about the king's coming for a few weeks here, uh, for a few Sundays. And John is very clear John, the disciple, is very clear about the identity of John the Baptist. He's not the one, but he came as a witness to the one. He, his whole thing was to point to the one after him, to point to the one after him of whom he said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. That's John the Baptist's whole gig. And think about light here for a second. Verse 8, he was but came to bear witness about the light. Think about light. This is so obvious we might miss it. What does light do? It reveals. It reveals. When there's light, you can see. And the coming of Jesus is so that we can see. 
We're going to see things about ourselves that we wouldn't know. We're going to see things about God that we would never, ever know. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And ancient people understood this truth, that God is, unless God helps us, God's impossible to know. Modern people, we tend to think, we tend to be shocked if there's some things about God that we don't understand. And, but really, I mean, consider this. Would it make sense if I said, hey, you and I are going to eat lunch with some nuclear physicists, and they're going to talk about things that they've been working on, a project. Would you be shocked after the lunch? You know, I, I really didn't understand what was going on. I'm kind of irked. It must be nonsense. Should we be shocked that there's things about God that we miss, that go over us, that we actually need God's help to know God? And this is the point of Jesus. God wants himself to be known, and Jesus makes God known. There's a way to know God. The light is in some ways plain, and also there's a tragedy, because Jesus will be both received and rejected. This is a gift that not all will receive, but those who do receive it have spiritual rebirth and a status change. Okay, John tells us about the rejection of Jesus. Here's the rejection. I'm just going to read the words. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his people did not receive him. And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't clear. It wasn't because Jesus wasn't kind. It wasn't because he wasn't loving but it's because of people like me and like you. Uh, because of sin, he was rejected. We're not all as open as we'd like to think we are. We don't always want the right things like we think we do. Um, it's common to complain about how God's revealed himself. And the scriptures say that, look, lost humanity, we're like people who break our own radios and then complain that there are no radio waves and that the, the radio wave should be louder and clearer, clearer. Okay, this is culpable rejection here. This isn't because God isn't clear. And yet, look, John wants to say this Jesus is both rejected and received. And he's pressing us, he's inviting us to receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And something's happening here. John the disciple is saying, as a Jew, hey, ethnicity and Jewish ethnicity is not the bottom line. And who your parents were is not the bottom line. And actually, the mistakes you've made are not the bottom line. Whether you're Nicodemus, the well-respected teacher guy, or the woman at the well with a history of dysfunctional relationships, none of those things can prevent you from receiving him 
and having a status change. And we actually all need God to supernaturally work. We need God to work. And uh, what's, it, what's it like to get Jesus? I want to just talk for a second about this word glory. Okay? God has made himself known through Jesus, and the claim is that his glory would be seen. Look at verse 14 and following again. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory. Uh, that's a word uh, we don't really use it anymore. Uh, we have lights and beauty that will set up and take down, and we think of sometimes of beauty as superficial instead of the concept of divine beauty is that there's a beauty that's awe-inspiring and weighty. A beauty that's so beautiful that if you saw it, it would melt you. It could possibly crush you. There's a beauty to know and receive from God and transformation for you and rescue for you. You don't even know. And he says, we've all received from his fullness grace upon grace. He says, we've all received. We've all received from God grace upon grace. And so I, I simply just want to end. Do you know him? Do you know him? And a lot of people say, well, hey, I, I believe some stuff about Jesus. I believe some stuff about him. I'm not against him. Do you know his grace and his truth? If you saw anything of his glory, you would say, I need his grace, which means you need unmerited favor and blessing. Grace isn't wages. Grace is grace. Grace is gift. Grace is just, here it is, undeserved. Do you acknowledge you need that deeply? You desperately need that. Do you live receiving that? Do you know him that way? Let me press you on it. Do you know his grace? Do you know his truth? Do you know um, that like, it'd be better to have Jesus and lose everything else than to have everything else and not have Jesus? You know, Jesus is either crazy or he's just really saying the truth when he says it would actually be worth losing everything for him. That's the truth. Do you know him that way? No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. What a welcome. What an invitation for us. Uh, what kindness. To be a Christian, I'm speaking to those of us first who are Christians here, okay? Those of us who are Christian, to be a Christian is to live in the reality that you both need and receive deep grace from God all the time. And this should make us more humble. It should make us more quick to forgive. It should make us uh, very also gracious to people who think differently. Are you being shaped by this grace? Do you see the invitation there? Do you see what's flowing out of John's heart as he writes this? We've all received grace upon grace. That's the reality you live in as a Christian. And 
friends online or here, if you're wondering if this is true, if this is real, yes, the invitation is open. That's why John wrote these things. And he says it a couple times in the book. I've written these things down so that you too can believe and your status with God is then changed forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit forever. Amen.